in Matthew chapter 20. And starting in verse 20, it says, Then the mother of Zebedee's sons came to Jesus with her sons, kneeling down, and asked a favor of him. What is it you want, he asked. She said, Grant that one of these two sons of mine may sit at your right and the other at your left in your kingdom. That's quite a request. We're going to talk about that in a moment. But that's, that's one of the two instances that we see James and John's mother. Now, go over to Matthew 27 and we'll see the other one. Jesus had cried out. He was on the cross. It was the end. At the end of verse 54, it says, When the centurion and those with him who were guarding Jesus saw the earthquake and all that had happened, they were terrified and explained, or exclaimed, Surely he was the Son of God. Many women were there watching from a distance. They had followed Jesus from Galilee to care for his needs. Among them were Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Joseph, and the mother of Zebedee's sons. The Bible just gives us a brief glimpse of this woman, this, the mother of Zebedee's sons, the mother of James and John. So on the one hand, she's kneeling before Jesus saying, I've got a favor. I just want one son on your right and one son on your left. And then the Bible brings her back into our field of view at the cross. And why others ran, why others were afraid, she was amongst those that were close by. The Bible says that she had followed Jesus and cared for his needs. You know, in a couple of parallel accounts, we get a little bit more insight into this. But in Mark chapter 15, At the cross in verse 40 and 41, it says some women were watching from a distance. Among them were Mary Magdalene, Mary the, uh, the mother of James the younger and of Joseph, and Salome. In Galilee, these women had followed him and cared for his needs. Many other women who had come up, from, uh, come up with him to Jerusalem were also there. And then in John 19... Surrounding the cross, it says this. It says in verse 25 to 27, Near the cross of Jesus stood his mother, his mother's sister, Mary the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother there and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to his mother, Dear woman, here is your son. And to the disciple, here is your mother. From that time on, this disciple took her into his home. You know, the Bible's not conclusive here by what we see, but it certainly looks like her name could have been Salome, or, you know, she was Italian Salami. I don't know how to say her name. And in John's account, it says it could have been Mary's sister. So it would have been Jesus' aunt. So James and John would have been his cousins. You know, the fact is, the Bible just records her making the request and it records her at the end being close to Jesus. 
Who was she? Oh, she was the mom of James and John. You know, she's introduced on the scene back there in Matthew 20. And I want you to think about that request that she made. And if you had opportunity to come and talk to Jesus, what is it that you would have asked for? Now, I love it. She kneels down. I have a, I have a favor. Now, Jesus is smart, so he doesn't say yes. He goes, well, basically, what's the favor? You know, it's kind of like when your kids say, hey, Dad, we want you to do something with us. Don't just say, okay, go, no, no, well, what is it you want me to do? So you've got to get the info first before you then agree to it afterwards. So here's the mom with her two grown men's sons coming before Jesus, and she says, i got a favor, Jesus. I want one on your right and one on your left. Now it says, Jesus responded, you don't know what you're asking, Jesus said to them. Can you drink the cup I'm going to drink? We can, they answered. Jesus said to them, you will indeed drink from my cup, but to sit at my right hand or left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom they've been prepared by my father. When the ten heard about this, they were indignant with the two brothers. Jesus called them together and said, You know the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. You know what I love in the story? Who are the ten indignant with? It wasn't the mom. And she made the request. No, it was, it was James and John. They're mad at them. Because you just can't fault the mom for making that kind of request for their kids, right? Because moms always want what's best for their kids. Now, it was an outlandish request. It was a bold request. But, you know, it's amazing that she felt like she could make that request to Jesus. She didn't ask to make her sons wealthy. She didn't ask that they would get promoted in their work. She asked that their their place in heaven would be secure. Now she had her priorities a little misguided but in the right place. She wanted to make sure that their eternal life was set up. And so she went to Jesus and said, Hey, I just want to make sure that the boys are taken care of. Now, Jesus used it as a great opportunity. He didn't even correct their mother. He just used it as an opportunity to teach about what true greatness was. But I want you to answer in your own heart, if Jesus was right there, And you could make a request. Right here, right now, what is it you'd ask for? A job? A better job? More money? You know, what was on the mother's heart was taking care of her sons for an eternity. You know, you've got to appreciate that. Jesus said, can you drink the cup? And they said, oh, we can. We're going to talk about that in a moment. 
You know, one of the things that I learned about this mother is she was not afraid to make bold requests of Jesus. Now, does that describe your prayer life? Do you make bold requests of the Lord? You know, Jesus did not go, that is the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. He did guide it. But Jesus was not offended by the request. You know, our prayer life should have an element of boldness. You know what? I think there's two things that that keep us from making bold requests to the Lord in prayer. One is we don't feel like we're worthy. And number two, we don't really feel like it's possible. You know, James and John were not afraid to ask bold questions. At the Last Supper, Jesus says, one of you is going to betray me. John said, hey, Jesus, who is it? Tell me. And Jesus says, it's the one I'm going to dip this bread and hand to it. And then he handed to Judas. You see, John got a little insider knowledge. You know, they all wanted to know, hey, but who, who went to Jesus and said, hey, tell me. At the end of Jesus' ministry, when he's coming up to Jerusalem, they're like, wow, the temple's amazing. And Jesus says, I can tell you this, there's going to be a time where not one stone's left on another. This place is going to be destroyed. James and John asked him, hey, when's it going to happen? What's the sign? I want to know. They made the request. Why? Because they wanted to understand. You know, in in our family, my wife is far more ready to make bold requests than I am. And I remember early on in marriage, I noticed this, like we'd check into a hotel, and I just gladly accepted whatever room they gave us. We were not platinum anything, so it's just... Whatever room we got, I was like, that's the one the Lord wants us in. But my wife had a different perspective. And, and so I'd go and check in and she'd come back. And she always asked me the same question. Did you ask for an upgrade? Like, no, I didn't ask for an upgrade. Why would I ask for an upgrade? We, here's the room that we reserved and they gave us this. She goes, well, you got to ask for an upgrade. I'm like, why? Well, because you're not going to get one if you don't ask. So early on in marriage, I'd say, okay, honey, you go to the check-in counter because you're a better upgrade asker. And our view at hotels has dramatically changed. Why? Because she asks for upgrades. You know, I'm a conflict avoider, and so, you know, by nature, I feel weird asking for that. She doesn't. Well, you know what? When, when one of your parents is a bold requester, you know, the kids learn this behavior as well. And I remember our son, Luke, he went to a Lakers game with Caesar and Mark. And as Luke is prone to do, he started socializing with the people around him and made friends with the usher. And so the usher at the Laker game, he's like, man, you probably get to come to everything. And he goes, yeah, I come to all kinds of events. So then Luke was like, really? Can you ever get tickets? 
for free to any event. And he said, well, yeah, I can. As a matter of fact, I'm, I'm good friends with the uh, previous owner of the Clippers, Donald Sterling. And so that's where I can really get good tickets. So Luke was, I think, 12. And he said, well, will you give me free tickets? And he's like, sure. Here's my address. Write me a letter and I'll mail you free tickets back. So Luke does this. And we get four owners' VIP tickets. So it didn't say a seat or anything. So we were a little bit wondering, like, are these things for real? Like, what is this? And you try and Google information, owners' VIP tickets, and there's no info. It just says, go to the box office on game day. So we decide we're going to go to a game on New Year's Eve. You can present these at any game. So... So Cheryl and Luke, fitting that the two of them, Michael and I, we went and parked the car, but the two requesters of the family went to the ticket booth and presented the four tickets. They said, we got these given to us for free, but, you know, do we get good seats for these? And the person looks at them and then says, yeah, you'll be happy. Leaves, comes back, gets four seats. We sat on the floor right behind the owner of the Clippers, right right at center court. Now, the funny thing is Luke was playing rec basketball, and his coach was CFO of the Clippers. He ran all the finances, and, and um, we saw him at the game. He was sitting, like, in row 20. And we were sitting right behind the, the owner, and Luke had a Kobe Lakers jersey on, classy. So I went and bought a clipper shirt so Luke could put that on. But I've told Luke before, I mean, these, you know, face value is like 400 a seat. And, you know, so it was a pretty awesome experience, all because he was willing to ask. You know, I, I can't imagine going to a game, making friends with the usher and having the conversation, will you give me tickets for free? But I also don't think I would have made the request, hey, Jesus, can you make sure that, you know, my sons are taken care of? And now that my son's married, you know, can the three of them, so Michael and Lindsay and Luke, you know, just the three of them there by Jesus. I'd be like, oh, I can't ask Jesus that question. If the mother of James and John felt she totally could. She could make the bold request. Go over to Luke chapter 9. Luke chapter 9. It says that Jesus is going uh, into Samaria. In verse 53 it says, But the people there did not welcome him because he was heading for Jerusalem. When the disciples James and John saw this, they asked, Lord, do you want us to call down fire from heaven? To destroy them. But Jesus turned to rebuke them, and they went to another village. Now, I just want you to be impressed for a moment, not with the lack of love that they had. You know, definitely not the heart of Christ. But the fact that they felt like, number one, we're going to get some input from Jesus, and he might go for this. 
And number two, that they thought their prayer would be answered. Now, that's amazing. You say, where did they learn this behavior from? I think it was from mom. Now, they got around Jesus and they saw what he was capable of. So they took the bold request and they put it in their own life. And they go, Jesus, I got an idea. These guys have been offensive. Let me just wipe them all out for you. Now, Jesus rebuked them. But they had the faith that God would answer a miraculous prayer. You see, the mom's boldness got transferred into their sons. And they applied it to their prayer life. It was misguided. But they had the faith that God could answer their prayers. And what kind of faith do you have? Are you afraid to make requests? Because you think they're going to fall on deaf ears? Their mom didn't think so, and neither did the sons. Man, we need to imitate that boldness. Jesus says, you need to ask, you need to knock, you need to seek. The greatest flaw of our prayer life is our lack of praying. We pray words. Instead of bold requests, God specializes in doing the miraculous. Give him a miraculous request to answer. But imitate her boldness. The second thing that I see about James and John's mother is the total commitment that she lived her life with. Now, you think about motherhood. It begins with total Commitment. The very first thing is called labor. You know, way back in the uh, 19th century, on average, five out of every 1,000 births, the mom died during labor. And, and then when they had maternity hospitals, it actually became to five out of 100 because they hadn't figured out this germs things yet. And so they were actually, moms were dying because of germs. So you think, one in 20. Oh, I'm excited to become a mom. One in 20 chance you die. It was traumatic. It was life-threatening. I remember mom and dad telling a story about when Mike and I were born. Mom's... Uh, Placenta started pulling away. She was hemorrhaging six weeks early. And the doc said if she hadn't got to the uh, ER when she did, she would have bled out. You say, all that just to give birth. I'm, I'm happy for me. <laughs> and my, both of us. But it's total Commitment. From the beginning. He said, where, where did the Bible introduce us to Mary? Well, she made her bold request. But the Bible wanted you and I to know. You know what? The mother of James and John. Oh, she was at the cross. She was there. 
And she was one of the ones that followed Jesus and met his needs. She was with him from the beginning. She was with him to the end. When others ran away, she was there. Her commitment was spectacular to Jesus. Go to Mark chapter 1. In verse 16, as Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I'll make you fishers of men. At once they left their nets and followed him. When he had gone a little farther, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat preparing their nets. Without delay, he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. He said, where would they have the faith to be that committed in that instant? And I think that's where the Bible wants to give us that little glimpse. They say, no, no, no. She was one of the women that followed Jesus and met his needs. Zebedee, her husband, ran a fishing business, and James and John, the sons, are employees. They responded instantly to Jesus' call. Yeah, when you're willing to make radical sacrifice for the Lord, it does not go unnoticed. It makes an impact. And it says they left their nets and followed Him. Remember the, the bold request? And Jesus said, you do not know what you're asking. Can you drink the cup? They said, we can. In Acts 12, the Bible records that Herod has James put to death with the sword. He was the first martyr of the twelve. They did drink the cup. They gave their lives, their whole lives. Why? Because total commitment. The old moms, they give everything. And yet sometimes the great challenges, the great decisions, those those choices that make a difference for the rest of our life are right in front of us. And we're like, well, I just want to know for sure, and then I'll know whether I should go to the left or I should go to the right. And we want to waver. Listen, draw strength and encouragement from a mom's total commitment. Oh, you can make the choice. You can respond in the moment. You know, kind of once you're pregnant, it's a done deal. Like you can't kind of go, well, let me pray about motherhood. Nope, baby's on its way. We'll make his presence known. You know, there comes a point in time that's decision time. You know, no mom knows what they face with the child. We all have visions. If you have a child because you want to have a relationship, you want to love, you want to give your heart, 
And you got to make that total commitment move, but you don't really get to see the full outcome until as life develops. You know, one of my uh, good buddies, Eric Van Kronk, he and his wife, Amy, they had uh, twins a few years back. And so he updates me with the, the twin photos on a regular basis. And yesterday he sent me one. He goes, the joys of fatherhood. And he showed me a picture from the back seat and his son, um, Oliver, had puked all over. So there was just all this red puke with chunks all over the, his self, the seat, the car. I said, enjoy the moment. You know, before you become a mom, you're like grossed out by stuff like that. Now you start folding over wipes to conserve wipes. Dads are not that way. It's like one pass with one wipe and you grab another wipe. You're like, wipes are cheap. If your child starts throwing up at somebody's house, a mom will put her hands out. Here, barf in my hands. You would not do that before you became a mom. You would run the other way. See, moms, they're, they're totally committed. You have decisions in your life right now. And say, so what's it boil down to? The level of commitment that you're willing to engage. You know, learn that total commitment from your mom. Make that step. You know, Jesus asked them the question, can you drink the cup? They didn't really know what they were getting into, but they said, we can. And Jesus said, oh, yeah, as a matter of fact, you will. You know, Jesus says, hey, I'm with you. You make that decision. You take that step. Total commitment. And I will be with you. I want to close over in 1 Timothy chapter 4. You know, moms have impacted us in so many different ways because the way they live their life, the heart that they have. We learn so much, you know, and you grow up and then you realize there's things that you do. It was like, where, where did I learn that from? Mom. You know what? There, there's no secret. It's just passed on to the next generation. But, but listen to what Paul tells Timothy. He says, Be diligent in these matters. Give yourself wholly to them so that everyone may see your progress. Watch your life and doctrine closely. Persevere in them because if you do, you will save both yourself and your hearers. Paul telling Timothy, he goes, Hey, you have a tremendous power of example in front of the people around you. And just like moms feel the power of their example, all of us need to understand that from a spiritual point of view. We need to watch our life, how we live. We need to watch our doctrine. It's what we believe. We've got to watch them both. Because it's not okay to just live a good life, but ignore the Scriptures and believe that our good life is just whatever we fabricate of our own mind. You know, the world will say, hey, truth is relative. You know, goodness is relative. It is whatever you come up with. 
No, you need to watch your life and doctrine closely. Why? Because you got a lot of eyes and ears around you. Just persevere in them. Because if you do, you will save both yourself and your hearers. You know what I love about the church in Santa Clarita? It's just one big family. Man, we only parent each other. We parent each other's kids. We're full of aunts, uncles, brothers, sisters, moms, dads. It's just one big family. I tell the kids' kingdom workers every training session, you have power to change life. You got four months with those children, and you'll get four months again. And again, say, you know what? You know what happens when you teach those kids and you invest your heart? You become an aunt or an uncle. I said, you build that relationship that when they go through challenges, when they go through struggles, their extended family's just gotten bigger. And you can have a talk that will change them forever. You have the opportunity to change lives, not only your own, but those who are watching how you live. When you be inspired by James and John's mom, she was a bold request maker. Listen, ask something bold of God. Ask for the miraculous. Ask for something that's just so ridiculous you cannot figure out how God would ever accomplish this. Because then God will get all the credit when it happens. And finally, live with a total commitment. We don't know what the future holds, but be all in. Give 110%. Lay your life on the line. Because you have the opportunity to save not only yourself, but, but to make that eternal impact on those who listen to you. We're so grateful for all the moms for your sacrifice of time and energy, of heart. And today we're inspired by a mom, the mother of James and John. The Bible gives us just a glimpse, but we can learn from her and imitate her faith and imitate her commitment. Let's remember these things. Enjoy the rest of your Mother's Day. Honor your moms. Let's stand and we'll close in a final song.